0: Thinking, however, disruptive mercy, the gospel, the story of redemption means I confront injustice with a mercy that is terribly disruptive. The mercy of God is not passivity. To love mercy is a glorious life of turning everything upside down through the radical mercy of God that will not say no in the face of evil. Wow. Could this be loving mercy? Every once in a while, it's a good step uh, for us to to step back a bit and see the forest for the trees. Um, Transitions are a good time for that. New years, new series, so I'd like to, uh, to use a little tool here this morning that would help us with that. We believe in developing people through gathering, serving, and learning. That's what we've been saying for a couple of years now. It's about people, these things, gathering, serving, and learning, are just means to an end. It is about people. And this is a great start for us to recognize that this is the relational nature of what God has created by making us in His image, by Himself being a plural being of persons and expressing that through us in human beings. It's about people. It's a great start. And how we develop ourselves and follow him obediently are through these particular tools. Gathering, serving, learning could be called something else. But it's a start. It's a way that we make sure we're doing and pursuing what he wants us to be. It'll always be a reference point for us, however, even when we get beyond year three. These three things caused us to come up with a little ministry plan, taking these values and putting them into action. This three-year ministry plan just takes these things and says, how do we do this? First year, we said it's better to gather. I'd like to remind you of this, because just because we've done it doesn't mean we're done with it. Don't give up on it. Hebrews became our anchor for that day. Uh, that year of, of making sure that we were, we were doing this, that we were making sure we were gathering. And so we introduced gathering large and gathering small. We reintroduced the concept of life groups. And I say this because I hope you haven't forgotten and have not stopped participating at some level. We have them on Sunday mornings. We have them throughout the week. Pastor Dave is, you know, making new ones happen all the time. And there are places where you can plug in just because we did it last year doesn't mean we don't keep doing it. Don't lose your small gather opportunities. It's how we grow. We also gather large. That's important. And, and so we actually, you know, created this opportunity on Sunday mornings to have the two-hour uh, time to, to gather small and gather large. And, of course, we have gender and interest groups as well. So that's year one. It's better to gather. Then we move to this year. It's greater to serve. Always do it. Now, that's my paraphrase uh, of Jesus. You know, I needed to put it in a few words. So, But my paraphrase of him saying, if you want to be great, be the servant of all. I just read a, uh, um, a quote of Martin Luther King tomorrow's Martin Luther King Day. He said, everyone can be great because anyone can serve pretty good, right? It's greater to serve. And so we took Micah 6, 8 as an example of this uh, and spoke to acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly. Now, I'll come back to this in just a minute, but I want to make sure you see that we've got a third year that we're going to, and that is, it's wiser to learn. And I'm just beginning to build a framework for this. What I want you to know is this is not about head knowledge. Next year, we're not just kind of getting away from all we do uh, in, uh, actively in service, and now we get to go back and, and just study or something. Instead, this is going to be about wrestling with what is next, Out of our acting justly and our pursuit of mercy and walking humbly with God. It's going to be offering a framework of thinking and exercising and wrestling with how the gospel, the message of God, comes to bear on real life issues. So stay tuned. But uh, I wanted to return to uh, this idea of it's greater to serve. We started the fall by saying, act justly. And uh, you'll remember the instruments of service, the the yoke, the the cup, the towel, the cross, the coin, five instruments. But really, I want you to see that those were principles I was trying to get across. In each of these, I was trying to speak to partnership. That was the yoke. And and the cup, self-denial, my willingness to to do what was asked of me, even if I didn't want to. Humility, the towel of, of serving in that way. And and habit continuing in it, and then value the, the the coin as 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 we made sure we were doing the right thing with what God has blessed us with. And there we walked into the Advent conspiracy. I just wanted to, um, by the way, mi- uh, say something that I missed last week. We for the um, for the wells we raised thirty four thousand six hundred dollars. In case you weren't here last week, that was just amazing. Praise the Lord. Seven wells we can dig. I wanted you also to know, though, because I kind of looked away and missed this little note, over 75 families or giving units participated in that. And I was very encouraged by that because it's not just a few that gave lots, it was a lot of people that gave much. So thank you. That's a marvelous thing, and we should be praising the Lord for it. Now, finding these overarching principles, I think, helps us to see as we kind of ask the question what does it mean to act justly? Listed these things out and said, "This is what it means. It means something like um, like bearing the yoke, and so that's partnership, and, and taking the cup, that's self-denial, and, and 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 gathering that towel, and being willing to serve in humility, and and the cross. That means habit and staying with it, and value in the coin. The measurement of this would be a changed lifestyle. I'd like us to do the same thing when it comes. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to show you this. Sorry about that." This is the problem with me clicking this thing, so bear with me. But these were the things that we talked about uh, in the fall that I wanted you to see. Now, what I'd like us to do is look back now at this concept of loving mercy. And instead of doing the right thing, what I want us to address is the right heart. And this is about the teaching of Jesus. We followed the example of Jesus in the fall. I want us to look at his Teaching. And as I said last week, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five through seven, becomes a reference point for four principles that I would like to share with you over these coming uh, weeks. And this is a this is a powerful set of chapters. So I encourage you to be reading these in these weeks to come. Philip Yancey says of the Sermon on the Mount. On this unusual occasion, Jesus skipped the parables and the stories and granted his audience a full-blown philosophy of life. Somewhat like a candidate unveiling a new political platform. And what a platform it is. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Let me just read a few verses that might provoke our thinking. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. is the kingdom of heaven. Do you ever wrestle with these words? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I hope it just means in spirit, right? Not materially. Blessed are those who mourn. Seriously? Seriously? Those of you who've lost spouses? You're blessed. Yeah, right. Sounds like a platitude from somebody who never has. How about losing a child? Really? You're blessed? You try it. Blessed are the meek. You mean the walked on, right? You know, just society's doormat. Is that what we're supposed to be? Blessed are are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He just means kind of want it, right? You know, I mean, he doesn't mean hunger, like really thirst, does he? Blessed are the merciful. You mean the used, right? Right? Blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, in this society. Try that one on. Blessed are the peacemakers. I know what you're thinking. You don't know where I work. Of course, I don't say that. But you might say that. You know, we like the stories, don't we? We like the parables. Because we get to kind of interpret him the way we want to interpret You see, he really means this. That's what he's trying to... Can we actually handle a direct conversation with God? As the answer, says, on this unusual occasion. He just said, you want to know how it really is? This is it. If Jesus walked up to you and said, let's have a conversation. And you didn't get to ask all your list of questions, you know, your pet peeves and... What would he say? He might look at you and say these very things. Do you really want to know what he thinks? You ever wrestle with reading this and say, who can really do this? I mean, surely, it doesn't exactly mean that, right? Tough to wrestle with? My attempt to offer you four principles that will help us with not just the Beatitudes, but the entire Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if they'll help. I hope they do. They're helping me. Four principles that make up what it means to love mercy. Having the right heart. They said last week it's going to challenge our minds intellectually, but this isn't about an intellectual exercise. If we really get it, it will change our heart. So look at the left side here of these principles and and let me walk through this a little bit and if you take your bulletin out, uh, your your notes and your bulletin, you'll see more information there. In fact, I want you to have that in hand because I want to do something with that in a little bit. So so pull that out and, and you'll see some other things that aren't on the screen regarding generosity and how I'm taking different selections of the Sermon on the Mount and bringing them together under these principles. I think they'll help us see what it means to be generous. For example... The Beatitudes are going to help us with that. They're going to change our perspective that will result in a greater generosity. I'll help you with that next week. The treasures in heaven in chapter 6 are going to challenge our behavior regarding what we do with what we possess and how we invest that in others, how, how we become more generous with what we possess. But then also in the ways that we act and do. It's more than just about money. We'll talk about what it means Chapter 5, an eye for an eye, a challenge to our independent personal rights and letting other people have their way. That's generous. Let them win. Right? Which is like what we'll see with love for enemies. Let the other win. What would that be like? Would you stand out from the rest if you let somebody else win? So, we'll look at generosity. I think that's a part of what it means to love mercies, to become a person who's generous. Available. Availability. What does it mean that you're willing to do whatever God wants you to do? We like to talk about that, that he's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my Lord, therefore he can do whatever he wants. I am willing to do whatever he tells me to do. What does that mean? What does that look like? Could that be a merciful posture towards other people? For example, or God Himself, is it a merciful posture towards others? Uh, is it is it availability for me to keep my word? Oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Are you are you true to your word? Can people always know that you're available because when you say something, you, you'll do it? Psalm 15 asks the question: Who may dwell? In your sanctuary, one of the descriptions of that person who's a true God-dweller, will keep his oath even when it hurts. Is that availability or what? Is that a merciful posture that says, "I'll, I'll, 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 yeah, I said it, I'll do it. Hmm. And a couple of others, like the way we act towards others. He talks about murder and divorce. What about a merciful posture towards God? could that be being available to him like like how we pray and when we pray and how much we pray how about fasting do we talk much about fasting we talk fast about fasting got to move on got a really great opportunity for you guys coming up you're going to hear more about it but we're going to challenge you with a, with a book that we're going to make available that you can use, not a lot of reading, just a little bit for a long time, over 40 days, an opportunity to enter into a fast. Fasting's very personal. I'm sure many of you go, well, I'm diabetic, can't do it. I'm hypoglycemic. Nope, can't. You know, I... It's okay. You get to shape it. You get to form it. Let's discover what kind of a merciful posture we might have towards God through fasting. Many, many benefits. Many opportunities. And through it, we hope to get you ready for what's coming after that, after Easter. Because God has something very special in mind for you to do for Him that you can't hear because you've got to get quiet enough for Him to tell you. Could that be a part of what it is to love mercy, to make myself available in a deeper sense than I have before towards God? Could be. Another principle is intentionality. Where and how should we be attention, intentional about what we pursue? Asking, seeking, knocking, the wide and the narrow gate, the tree and its fruit, the wise and foolish builders, even judging I'm throwing in there. Where and how are we supposed to be intentional about what we do? And then hilarity, just because it rhymes with generosity, availability, intentionality. I had to use hilarity, right? Joy. What are the benefits of this kind of mercy that we would pursue? And there's do's and don'ts here. Do not worry. And do make yourself salt and light. So these are the four principles that will help us, I think, unwrap what it means to love mercy and to find the right heart. Now, to help this uh, be more memorable still, like the instruments of service from the fall, I'd like to suggest a metaphor. I hope I'm not pushing it too far, but I hope it'll help you remember. This is the right side of the screen now uh, uh, next to these principles. Generosity... If we're talking about the right heart, this is like the blood. The heart pumps blood. There must be a continual flow of blood. There must be lots of it, or you, you don't survive, right? There must be a continual presence passing through you all the time in order for there to be life. That's my analogy with the heart regarding generosity. It must be flowing all the time. It isn't enough to just be, every once in a while, do something generous. There needs to be this attitude of generosity, this, this flow that's just a natural part of who you are. So there's kind of a metaphor here for this having the right heart, making sure that this flow continues. The availability would be the beat. This is the consistency. The heart never stops. It better never stop. Some of you look like it stopped. No, you don't. The heart never... It slows. It speeds up. But, of course, if it stops, there's trouble. You see, this is about availability. This, this constantness, this, this consistency towards others and towards God. You, you don't say to them, I'm available now, but, you know, listen, I'm busy in four weeks. So anything you can do this month, it's good. You know, there's this consistency, this availability. Intentionality. That would be the body. The arteries, the veins, the vessels, the capillaries. This blood gets sent everywhere and very intentionally. Right? If blood doesn't get everywhere, something's hurting. You ever fallen asleep, you know, with your hand up here and you wake up and it's like totally, totally dead? You ever done that? You know, and you're like, "Eh, I did that one time and it dragged across my face like I was, you know, oh my word, you know, like it was somebody else's arm because blood hadn't gotten there for a little bit, and it fell asleep, and obviously woke me up, so that if blood doesn't get to every little part of your body, there's a problem. So this intentionality is necessary. The heart must send blood everywhere, and if it doesn't get there, every part suffers. So, So in our mercy, we must be intentional to make sure we are doing this in every way that we should. And then hilarity, joy. These are the benefits. This is, this is life and energy and oxygen and, and nutrients. When the heart is right, there's life and there's strength. There's opportunity. There's even pleasure. So we'll take the next eight weeks or so and, and unwrap these ideas and wrestle with Jesus' actual words and let him transform our thinking. and That will change our hearts. We will pursue mercy with a love for it and it will give us the right heart. Now, before we leave, I wanted to give you an application. I wanted to leave you with something to do as a result of this. So take I told you to take that sheet of paper and and, uh, look at the back side where I've listed these applications. And uh, we actually have a few minutes and I was hoping that we would and I would like us to react to this and to spend some time reflecting on this. This is kind of a little trial run. If you've got a heart issue or somebody's got to check out your heart, they make you do a stress test, right? Uh, uh, my brother passed away at 50 years of age from a massive heart attack. All of us siblings had to go and get this stress test. So I didn't have a heart problem I don't have a heart problem but I'm there in there giving a nuclear stress test with people who do have heart problems and this lady's running me through the thing you know and and uh and she's saying okay let me know when you got about like a minute left you know and I I don't I don't know you know and and they keep running the thing up and up and up and up and they're making it go faster and faster and faster and finally she just goes well stop already you know I I, I cuz I was in pretty good shape. I was doing okay. I didn't have it. And she looked at me and she goes, why are you even here? You know, she's used to dealing with people would have real serious... and say, well, I'll explain the situation. Oh, okay. Right. So, so but they just had to make sure because his was unanticipated that the rest of us didn't have this problem. Well, it's good for us every once in a while to have that kind of a test. Do you have any heart conditions spiritually? Here's a stress test. How well do you love mercy? Regarding generosity, how about this for a test? Just when you don't want to do it, whatever it is, do it anyway and see what happens. I don't know what your it is, but I'd like you to think about that in a minute. You know, that you'd have open eyes to a situation at work, at home, wherever you are, and And there's this prompting that, you know what, I really ought to do that. I really don't want to do that. And you know it. Nobody knows it but you and God. And you just decide you're going to do it anyway. Would that not measure kind of a, a generosity, a willingness? You don't have to. You got every reason to not have to. You got excuses. You got this. You got that. You know, and it's about time He did it anyway do it anyway. The beat, the consistency. Try speaking without using the word I in your vocabulary. You ever done that as a party game? Used to do that with uh, when I was a youth pastor. Boy, <laughs> exciting youth pastor, huh? I had to hand out these... Toothpicks, you know, they get like a half a dozen toothpicks and they'd have to walk around and talk to each other and every time they used the word I, they had to give up a toothpick. Try that. Try even answering anybody by, go, by going, Oh, I... You, you'll, you'd be surprised. Hmm. Try praying without asking anything for yourself. Now, I'm not saying we should always do that. I'm just asking you to try it. Try entering into a prayer time with God and don't ask anything for yourself. That might check how available you are to God and to others. little stress test. Intentionality. I want you to think about that and think of something that God might want you to do for somebody else that's merciful. And don't quit till you get it done. Uh, It's a little different from the other one because you might try and do something and then, you know, they already did it or or they, they go, no, 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 that's okay. No, 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 no. Don't give up until you get it done. There's intentionality. Now, I got a fun one for you too. That's the last one. I want you to think about something that you're really worrying about. That won't be hard. List two things that can be done about it. One today and one tomorrow. Then take a pen and cross off the one for tomorrow. Because you don't have to do it today. Isn't that fun? Yeah, You've got to worry about it tomorrow, but you don't have to worry about it until tomorrow. That's the joy of, uh, of living the way He tells us to. So would you bow your heads and take a few minutes and do those things maybe you got a pen maybe you want to do it just mentally but I would ask you to, to do that bow your heads and think about this and pray for the eyes to see in terms of generosity something that you know you should do you don't want to do it but you're going to do it anyway or if you don't know what it is that you'd have the eyes to see it when it happens being intentional and ask the Lord to show you something maybe as you were praying for somebody else it's already come to mind that you should do for someone this week write it down and just don't quit until it's done Now take an opportunity and write down something that you are concerned about, that worries you. It's a burden for you. You, you, you know what it is. The Lord knows too. And, and write a couple things down. Something you can do about it today. Something you can't do about it today. literally are in your mind just just cross that second one right out and enjoy it you can't do it today you don't have to god doesn't mean for you to realize the joy of of living this day for what he wants you to be as an object of his mercy At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's read these chapters in these weeks to come and wrestle and learn more and realize that we're reading the very words of Jesus. come from a from a savior that is f- full of authority as our lord but also full of mercy towards those that he loves and he wants us to be like him lord you interrupted us with your grace we now offer you the freedom to disrupt us with your mercy as we pursue loving it as you have asked us to. In Jesus' name.